Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you back to our series entitled Let's Talk Family. I want to look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus that's streaming with us there live. Anyone watching online, maybe in a video venue here at the Keller campus, would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us. We're glad that you're along for the ride. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I am really enjoying this series. I hope you are. You may be wondering why we are talking about family. Let's talk family. Well, there's obviously the specific reason that we all want help in this area. We want to understand it better. It's something we care about a lot, but we a lot of times feel like we don't have the equipping in this area. But the truth is, it's holistic. So today I wanna hone in a little bit more specific in the marriage relationship, but I don't want you to tune me out wherever you're at because the truth is, that is the sanctifying relationship that God uses so many times, but many of you are preparing for marriage or maybe you have come out of a, you're, you're single again and you've walked through that and what, what does that mean for me now? God hates divorce, the Bible says it. God hates it and if you've experienced it, you know why he does hate it. But also we wanna equip you to, if you were to be married again or what may happen in the future, we're trying to equip you that you don't become the statistic of people who experience something bad in one setting and go into something else that's also equally as challenging. And so there's so many areas. We're part of family, but did you know that the Bible starts with family? We here at Milestone, we talk about this concept of spiritual family. It's the picture that's given in the New Testament of our relationship even with one another. God is our Father. We are his children. The Bible says we become part of his family. We become sons and daughters of him. By the way, if you don't know your identity as a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, you'll try to find it in something else. You'll find yourself consistently frustrated until you ultimately find your ultimate identity in being his child and receiving his approval for what you do in your life. There's so much in scripture that is connected to this. And so it's not just a topic, it is one of the themes of scripture, in fact. It's one of the themes, and I, I like to talk about it too. My first message, I preached my first message. My pastor, I can't believe he let me. That's why I love to let young people have the platform. He let me have the platform at 16 years old. I opened my Bible to the book of Ephesians in my little home church in East Texas and preached on marriage. <laughs> 16 years old. I knew it all. You know, you know it all at 16. How do you know the word of God is equally powerful coming out of the mouth of a 16-year-old as it is in, in the, out of the mouth of a 76-year-old? The word of God changes lives. So I'm passionate about this. I warn you up front. Okay, yeah, that's a great place to clap if you want to. Yeah, it's, God's passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. I want to help you. I'm a pastor. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a, just a life coach. I'm a pastor, so I care about your life. So I want to help you in this area of your life, and I wanna do a little bit today to contradict the cultural message. 
Because you don't get the biblical message, you get an inordinate amount of the cultural message. And I wanna talk a little bit about something that is central to the marriage relationship, and that's this term called love. Have you ever been in love? I remember I met Brandy, we were 12, 13 years old, and I then later met her in college, and oh man, I, she had grown up, and man, I got butterflies. I wasn't really looking to get in love, I just, boom, like a bolt of lightning, man, I fell in love, and I got all kinds of you know anxious and didn't know how it all would work out, but love is a powerful thing, but in our culture, we tend to define it maybe different than scripture. One reason that we come by it honest is that the Bible, I'll show you in a minute, gives us that God's characteristic, God's nature, and one of the ways God is defined is that he is love. God is love, but love is not God. So when we look to love in a wrong way to be God and we don't understand it, then we get off a little bit, but we all desire it. It's one of the traits of God that we have a hole inside of us that we look for. The Bible says that every person desires unfailing love. You come out of your mother's womb and you wanna belong, you wanna be seen, you wanna be known, you wanna be accepted, you wanna be valued, you wanna be loved. And so there's not all the other characteristics of God that we naturally go after, because God is just. How many times in your recent prayers have you been, Lord, deal with me justly. Give me what I deserve. No, 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 no. Lord, please give me some mercy. Give me some grace, Lord. But we come out, that characteristic of love, we come into this world and we're looking for it and the reality is God's kind of love, you don't grow toward unless you have some intentionality and some wisdom and some unique understanding of how his love works. The reality is it's like a fire with no wood, it begins to burn out. And so we want that in our marriage relationship, but everything in our lives is pulling us away. And I wanna hone in on some specific things this weekend for all of you, no matter where you're listening to me from. And I wanna help some of you grow closer. I wanna help some of you, and I believe there may be, I don't know why I have this number in my heart. I've been praying maybe 30 to 50 marriages that are on the brink. And you just are in that place, because see, you don't have to try to grow apart. You don't have to try. Entropy is a life principle. Things move downward, not intentionally upward. It just happens. I went for a checkup, physical, you know, the kind you get when you're close to 50 this week. Some of y'all are young. You don't know about these, hor it's, it's horrifying. They do bad, 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 bad things to you in this stage of life. They do really bad things to you. And they decided I needed some extra tests and things and they brought in this lady who was gonna do a little bit more holistic and she put me in front of a board that had some measurement and my feet had to go to the board and we're gonna check, Pastor, your flexibility. Now she did some cognitive assessment and she asked me in one minute, give me as many words with F. She didn't know I was a pastor. Give me as many words with F as you can. I was like, man, I'm a fantastic, fabulous, free book. I mean, I just, brrr. 
Rolls. She said, in 20 years of being a nurse, I've never heard that many words with F. I said, well, I love to win. I love to dominate. I mean, I do this for a living. Words are my life. But then she put me on the ground and said, we want to check your flexibility. And so I got down there and I, I started reaching for the board. I wasn't getting on the board. I was at negative numbers. And she said, okay, go ahead. Now it's time to stretch. I said, I've been doing that for three minutes. Uh, that's all I got. Come on. You know, she started laughing at me. She, <laughs> I'm like, man, what if I did that to people? You came in for counseling. You started telling me about your marriage problems. I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't be in business long. I mean, you just can't laugh at a man. You know what I'm saying? Throw me under the bus. But I'm telling you, man, my flexibility's bad. I need some help. I'm just telling you. My wife's got bands and all this stuff. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. Because as you get older, it all gets tighter. Anybody got any back problems out there? Get a little, oh, it's not your back, it's your muscles. It all gets tighter, it draws up. And did you know, in our culture, with our understanding of love, we don't have in our marriages many times the ability to be intentional to go against the grain of what we receive on so many occasions. In fact, I've heard some version of these things like five times in the last week. I've talked to our pastoral care guys. We receive prayer requests. Can I just give you a little inside track to a pastor? I understand now. Let me also qualify because some of you may think, well, this guy doesn't know where real people live. Do, I, I do. You can have the, the three A's, abuse, and that's a very complicated topic, and, and I, wanna, I wanna say I understand that, where that brings a marriage apart. You can have addiction, you can have adultery, you can have some big things, and I hope today's message speaks to you, and, and, and there's hope, and God can do miracles, and those are very complicated things, but I, I do wanna say this weekend, I wanna, I wanna talk to a bigger bucket, where the, the big A's maybe are not in play, but maybe they are, but I, I do believe there's just this bigger bucket of these phrases. We, we grew apart. I, I fell out of love. It should not be this hard. I don't know who told people that it shouldn't be this hard, but it's, there's no such thing as a marriage made in heaven. It's built here on a sinful earth, it shouldn't be this hard. You don't make me happy anymore. And I may put this as the title of this weekend's message because I've heard some version of this cultural concept multiple times in the last few weeks. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. I, I, I love you, in other words, I don't hate you, but I'm not in love with you, so therefore we've grown so far apart and statistically speaking, when you do marital analysis, many times when people end up in that place, one party is stronger in that place and the other party is not always aware that they're at that level. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. I have a team that I work with every single week and we share information and we do research and we look at things and yet I'm so passionate about this topic, I did an inordinate amount 
um, because I've had a couple of weeks not preaching. I, I did an inordinate amount of personal research just to look at culturally what is being said around this idea of I love you but I'm not in love with you and I was fascinated to find the amount of uh, of people who are self-proclaimed now relationship experts or blog experts. You know, we live in a world today where you can just put a platform out there, begin to offer advice when no one has a real window into any fruit that you actually bear. And, and I stumbled upon a, an expert blogger that wrote about 10 ways to turn the ship around and just humor me for a minute. I, I'm really fascinated by the strength of writing and the expressive tone to what this person said, but very interesting, she illustrates my point. She said, the sun was sinking behind the hills of Gozo, a tiny island off of Malta. Pink climbing flowers clung to dusty stone walls. So expressive. The air was salty and tinged with blossom. It should have been magical, but I was in hell. I looked at my partner, who was squinting through his glasses into the sunset, and at that moment, I was repelled by everything about him. Poor guy. He wasn't manly enough. His hair was fluffy like a baby owl. He was too quiet, he was too reserved. The list went on. You're looking at me strangely, he said. Is everything okay? She said, what? No, and she said, I lied. Everything is fine. Poor guy with baby owl hair doesn't know that she is not feeling the love. She's not feeling the connection and then she goes on to offer these different solutions that primarily center around her and she needs to get more centered and you need to get more into your true self and very little of what I wanna share with you today but these cultural expressions go on and on and then the enemy, because all he knows how to do is lie, knows how to compound those in our lives. It will be easier without this person. Can, can I tell you, it, it's not any easier. I, I'm not saying that it doesn't ever end up there, but it's not any easier necessarily. When you begin to build a life, when you have kids, when you have family, it's not necessarily easier. Here's another cultural phrase that I hear that's a lie. All is fair in love and war. No. Fairness is not a part of the, there's nothing fair about love and nothing fair about war, but here's another one that is big and that is what is now used as the reason for ultimately divorcing today, irreconcilable differences. Did you know until 1970, in the 70s, there was no thing called a no-fault divorce law? And in that year of sequential years, once there became this possibility that there's no biblical qualification, just I love you, but I'm not in love with you, but we can't kind of reconcile, irreconcilable differences, it's the first time that the divorce rate increased to 50%. Now, now again, I understand the qualifications, but I'm talking to 30 or 50 marriages that are on the verge of saying irreconcilable differences, I'm not happy with you, and the enemy's desire to pull you apart. I, I would like us to go to the word of God for the definition of love. Because I kind of survey my messages throughout the week, by the way, I kind of test them on people, you know? 
And, and most of the definition, when I ask someone the definition of love, and if you look it up today, most of it has to do with intense feelings, romantic desires. It's, it's very subjective, by the way. Can, my question today to us is, can love be objective? Can it be something you can actually grab a hold of? Can it be something that you possess, not something fleeting that you never understand unless you get to your somewhat felt center? The Bible says very clearly, now the Apostle Paul here is leaning on Jesus who talked about love a lot in the book of John, in fact, he talked about its sustaining power, and the apostle Paul builds on it and gives a descriptive list. He says love is patient. It says love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes. Let me say today, when God's kind of love, the description you see there, gets involved in your relationship, you may feel like there's no hope, but when you enter God's love, there's always hope. There's always hope. And it always, I like these last two things because I don't have time to unpack. I could do a series of messages to unpack all of these components of love. I love the fact that you see here, these are very active words. Most people's perspective of love is, again, it's a descript, it's a description. It's an object of something that, again, is very loose, but here it is more verb-like. It's more action-like. It perseveres, though. It says this kind of love perseveres, and then I love this love. God's kind of love never fails. It sticks you. It clings you. It pulls you. It goes against the entropy. It, it flexibilizes you, if that's a word. And it brings you closer together, which is my passion for you this weekend. There's three different words. These words describe love in the Bible. The first one is phileo or phileos, and that is when brothers or sisters in Christ, I love you. Did you know I have people in my life that are spiritual family that I love them as if we are literally brothers and sisters in Christ? Betsy, who just led worship, she's like my little sister. Right before I came out and preached, we gave some knuckles. I said, wait a minister to the people. She said, go get them, brother. Boom. I mean, you know, you can have a brotherly or sisterly love that means your spiritual family. There's eros, which is the dominant expression of love in our culture. You find in 1 Corinthians 7, Hebrews 13, eros, this romantic, this pursuit we have of this romantic type of love. But did you know in 1 Corinthians 13, all the descriptions of love are around this word, agape, which is a different kind of love. It's not a love that originates in humanity, but originates in heaven. It's God's ability to give us that love. Can I say to you today, if you're disconnecting, if you're growing less intimate, if you're growing apart, if you're headed toward I love you, but I'm not in love with you, then the God of the universe who has this unconditional agape type love needs to be involved at the center of that relationship. 
because he brings something that you can't generate on your own. And agapeo is the Greek word of agape that's the verb, that's not present in cultural expression, but it's, I wanna know what love is. Are you with me? Come on, any kids of the 80s? I wanna know what love is. Foreigner, 1984. It's stuck in your head now. I wanna know what love is. The next line though, I want you to show me. I want you to show me. I want it to have action tied to it. I can tell you when it comes to growing together, and I wanna give you some practicals, growing together versus growing apart. That's my goal for this entire message. Every person has it, wherever you're at. I wanna see you grow closer together, a greater level of intimacy no matter where you're at. All of us can take a step away from the world's pool and we can grow closer. Have you ever thought about in 10 years, I look back over my relationship even with Brandy the last 10 years, I have two past overseeing pastors that I have involved in my life, the same pastors I've had since my 20s. I believe that a pastor should have pastors. I believe you should have accountability in your life. You need people that have gone further than you. You need people that encourage you. You need to have submission. I for me, submission to authority is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing for me. And 10 years ago, one of my pastors, he had some coaching and some things that had helped him. And he said, you know, Jeff, I think you need to do this. And so I did it. And can I tell you, there was a lot of things that, that helped me, but in the, in the larger scheme of things, really what really happened in this counseling and dialogue was it, it helped me to get better alignment with that which I say I value and my actions. Because a lot of times we have aspirational values, but we don't have an alignment and a connection to what we say we value. And, and I can tell you transparently, that I look back and again, my wife is awesome and, and, and we have a great relationship and, and all this, but I could by my personality, your personality may not do this, but by my personality, I could easily take her stability, her grace, her love for me, she's my greatest champion, I could take her for granted. And what I began to do through a series of relational connections and dialogue and some accountability, honestly, is began to align, and I'll share some of those with you in a minute. I began to, to get more intentional about some things in my life. And by the way, it's not about the scheduled date night necessarily. It is about that because you're providing intentionality, but it's more than just the schedule. It's about the heart behind why you do it. And I can say in the last 10 years, Brandy and I have grown closer together. Like we share some hobbies, we, she, she's, she's a person I love to be with, and yet I could easily be in that same, don't, don't think that, that anyone can't end up with, we're not as close or we're further apart or we're, we're really not connecting at any level. And so I wanna share with you a few thoughts of some things that I think can contradict the natural entropy and, and help you grow closer together. Here's, here's kind of the feeling we have. I don't feel the love. We, we've gotta get the biblical definition of this feel the love thing. I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not, not feeling it. Well, 1 John 4, 16 says God is love. By the way, God is love, but love is not God. 
If you're idolizing a person or a relationship or a feeling or you have an expectation for a person to provide for you something that only Almighty God can provide, you will consistently feel upset, disconnected, and at a loss from that person's inability to provide it for you. Our pursuit in the world of this feeling that we can't describe could idolize a feeling above the very nature and character of God. God is love, but it also, the Bible gives us a definition of that. This is how we know what love is. I want to know what love is. This is how we know what it is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He laid down his life sacrificially for us when we were very undeserving. Number two, you don't get me. I was working with a couple recently, just talking with them in a relationship, and really just, you know, what a pastor does or a counselor does or when you sit down with people is there's something being said. It really, you, you might think it's a real great skill. It, it's really this. It's he said to her, you know, I feel like you have something, you know, against me or whatever. She said, you love work more than you love me because you never, we never go out anymore. Now she committed the big foul that got him hung up. She used the word never. So he then has to build a legal argument as to the fact that she used the word never and he says two months ago I did take you out. Now we fought the whole time but I did take you out. <laughs> so never, always, whatever, but the point of the matter is is that what I had to help him understand is what she's saying is, you have passion, you have drive, you have intentionality, you have focus, you have energy toward this, but I feel like you don't have a priority toward me. And that did not take some great grand intellectual ability to describe because it's right there in plain sight, but it is a skill that builds intimacy. Here's the best words that I needed to teach the brother. Okay, here's the best words. There's a lot of good words. I'm sorry, those are great words. Yes, ma'am, that works good. Um, okay, whatever you think. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, you know, that you could, yeah. yeah. But here's one in today's culture that I mean can just start breaking down walls and barriers and I'm getting better at it. I've, I've grown along the way in my journey. I haven't been so good, but I'm, I'm working on it. I have it on the back of my phone. Listen, listen, Jeff, listen. Don't try to fix. I'm not great, but I'm trying to get better. And, and I've used this one recently in my relationship. Okay, tell me more. You're like, oh. <laughs> tell me more. Because when I feel heard, when I feel understood, when I'm able to express that to you and I feel like you understand it, even if everything's not fixed, I feel closer to you. Tell me more. Here's the next one, my needs and my goals. We begin to pursue the goals we have in front of us, the target that we have in front of us, my needs, my goals. I know I'm talking to a group of people this weekend that if you get a target, you usually go after it and most of the targets you set, you hit. I know the people I pastor. And a few years ago, I preached a message on 
vision for your family. Vision for your family. I made a statement that I still hear people respond to. I have more vision for my family than I do for my job as a pastor. I love you, I can't believe I get to pastor you, but more vision for my family because I want the people who know me the best to respect me the most and the effort and intentionality required to do that. So I'm being transparent with you, that continues to grow. And, and then as we have changes and as kids move out of the house, can I encourage some of you, envision your future together. Take the lead on that. Let's envision our future together. This is why we raise kids and then all of a sudden, I mean, we've had an inordinate amount of that even in recent days of pastoring people where I'm seeing people with 20-year marriages and in their 50s and what happened was we're doing ball games and we're doing activities, but we didn't stop to stay connected. Come on, online, maybe somebody's watching me and we didn't stay connected and we didn't keep envisioning our future after running these kids around like a taxi service. We start setting that target out there and you know, vision and this, this shared purpose, the byproduct is intimacy because we share purpose together. So set that target in front of your life. Here's the fourth one, you offended me. Now, we've hit this a lot in this series. I talked about managing conflict. Pastor Jed talked about forgiveness. And this offense thing is a big deal. Like how you manage this offense, how you manage this, that's why you have to have that agape love, that ability to see this other person through the lens of the way God sees them. And you, you have to know, I, I, don't, I share about it every now and then, but I need to share more. Offense is a trap. The Greek word is scandalon. The devil has a trap of offense out there waiting for you to catch you. And I just wanna say this as a pastor, we have entirely too many followers of Jesus Christ so offended, offended all the time, upset, offended. Look, we have been crucified with Christ, yet not I live, but Christ lives within me. You don't offend a dead person. You don't have to have an opinion about everything. You don't have to have an opinion about every single thing. So a lot of times we even think, well, it's just we don't have enough time. Well, did you know COVID produced and showed us, I'll tell you from a pastor's vantage point, it's not just time because people had more time together than they've ever had, but what happened was the time showed how much dysfunction and healing that needs to take place on the inside of us. We have freedom groups coming up. You gotta go, you gotta go to freedom. You gotta get over your hurts. You gotta get past your rejection issues. You gotta get the stuff out of you. You gotta get the garbage out of you, the hurts from your past, what your dad did, your mom did, all the things that have tried to attach themselves to you. You gotta get freed from that so that you can have healthy relationships. I just, I wanna say this on behalf of your spouse or your partner or your friends or your pastor. People don't like to be close to offended people. People that are, we're just touchy. You can, humor's dead in our culture, you can't even joke. It's like, right there, we're talking about me. They're not even thinking about you. I hate to inform you. I know you think the universe revolves around you. They're not even talking about you or thinking about you. It's called a joke, ha, 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 ha. We tackle offense right away. We tackle it in a biblical way. Did Brandy and I ever get offended at each other? Yes. But we've, we've had to learn just, okay, let's come back to center. One team, one vision. 
I, 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 let's, let's, let's move past this. You have to tackle it because if you don't tackle it, it grows. It grows and it starts growing you apart. It's the devil's tool to trap you in that place. You don't see me. I feel undervalued. And so what you begin to do is understand that the world's gonna bring you the images of the grass is greener on the other side. There is someone else out there that would make me more happy. There is someone else out there that doesn't have baby owl hair. There is a more flexible person out there. By the way, on my health checkup, I'm doing okay health-wise. I'm just really, really not flexible. But anyway, don't worry. Anyway, so. But there's this, this grass maybe that's greener over there. And I know it's over-preached and over-said, but it needs to be said more. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's green where you water it. So you begin to set a standard of beauty that what are you into, Jeff? I'm into the profile of Brandy Little, who she is, and that's my standard, so I focus on it, and what you focus on, you get full of, and what you water gets greener, and so you begin to focus there, and I wanna tell you, if you were to then begin to look at your spouse, this is another exercise we do in counseling a lot of times, is you'll see people really grown apart, and I'll just ask them the question, why'd you guys get together in the first place? As bad as you say they are, why would y'all even get together? Of course, we always think it's the other person's fault, but many times it's like we had some roles to play in some of the things that even that we're upset about. And when you begin to say, well, I married them because of this and because of this and because of this, it's hard to not grow closer when you're affirming and speaking to and valuing this important relationship. We gotta learn to not look to the flaws, but look to the good things, because I wanna tell you, someone who's been married for a pretty good while, there's a lot of things they're not gonna change. I'm not talking about sin, we gotta change sin, but it's just reality. I married someone opposite than me. I like it cold, she likes it hot. Actually, she's getting closer in life where she likes to turn the air down, which is a good thing, but that's a different message. <laughs> anyway, it happens, just wait, guys, it, you, they get there. Man, I'm hot. Like, praise the Lord, finally. I'll take the Lord. <laughs> but <laughs> she likes junk in her car. She'll just have stuff up in there, just, you know, like a mint can and a bottle. And I got in the car this week, you know, it's like, come on, it's just, I don't like that. Well, just, just, just get this out. It's bothering me. You just kind of get over it. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's not gonna change. It's just not gonna change. Her, that's why we have to have two separate counters in the bathroom. It's like her junk and my little toothbrush and shaving cream and this. It's like we can't, we gotta live. And I know there's things probably about me. She's, I've, got the, I've got the mic right now. So anyway, it's like, <laughs> you just, just kind of get a ladder and get over it. You know what I'm saying? Just get a ladder and get over it and you know, it's like, am I gonna let the junk in her car rob me of the love that we can have tonight? Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm over it, I don't care, it's fine. You don't do what you used to do. We schedule meaningful moments. This is where a little bit of coaching, a little bit of counseling helped me, and maybe it'll help somebody, I don't know, but I began to understand, and I was sharing this with someone this last week, you know, you, you don't start if you're grown apart, and I'm speaking to maybe somebody right now, it's like we've been moving this way, we're close, or maybe we're at, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. 
You have to schedule intentionality to be close and connected. And so you start not with the other party, but self-leadership. If I don't spend time with Jesus, some of you are like, Pastor Jeff, you feel like you, know, you just have this. Look, if I don't let the love of God fill me, I don't have what it takes to love her. I don't. So I may be a pastor and I preach for a living. I have to get filled up in God. I have to spend time, not just for messages, but for my own walk with Jesus to have what I need to offer her. So you don't start with the other person, you start with self-leadership. But then just some practical things I began to do. I realized that if a few days a week I have coffee with her, instead of breakfast with someone else, we're more connected. So we may have a time to visit. It may be we may have coffee in the morning or we may have an evening dialogue. I realized, right, we were driving down the road the other day. She's like, how's your day? I gave her the bullet points. And then she said, well, you don't have to ask me about my day because I've already told you everything about it. So she requires a greater need for time to hit all of it. I wanna hit the bullet point. She wants to give me the full picture. But you know, that creates intimacy if we have that time even for her to give me all the details of everything she wants to tell me. And I learned that not just a little bit of that, but Weekly, we spend time. Remember, it's not about the date, lunch, the date, day, but a date, lunch. I'm telling you, 10 years later, we're, we're more intimate, we're more close, we're connected over not 52, but probably 45 times a year in a week on a Thursday. And I don't wanna tell you where we go because I don't really want you to come. <laughs> if we go to lunch together, we're better off and spending a little quarterly time and taking a little time off in the summer. I'm just trying to tell you, you gotta prioritize it like you do everything else and make it important. Here's the final thing. My friends are telling me to leave and you gotta learn to listen to what the word of God says. Freedom groups coming up, you need to get some people around you that wanna fight for your marriage. They wanna help you get in a healthy place so you can have that healthy relationship. And I wanna tell you, most times, okay, I understand the big rocks, please, I understand but I'm talking to 30 to 50 marriages right now where it's not the big rocks, it's the little rocks, it's the little things, it's the devil's desire to separate you and pull you apart, it's we grew apart. I'm talking to somebody right now, and I wanna tell you, the enemy will always put someone around you to give you the enemy's perspective. And it's like, come be miserable with us. Ditch the loser, get rid of them. She's not that, don't worry about it. Old ball and chain, it's a weight on you you don't need. You deserve to be happy, give up on it now. It'd be better off if you didn't have them. That's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil. And you need to put people around you that are gonna remind you of the covenant of God, that love never fails, that love's full of hope, that love doesn't dishonor others, that love is patient, love is kind, love has these verbs to it that can make a difference. This is real life. I got these two prayer requests. I wanna pray over you, I wanna pray for them. My wife and I are walking through a tough season. We are separate at this time. My prayer is that God will help restore our soon-to-be 20-year marriage. How many of you know that's the heart of God? The enemy's got them to that place where they're separate. Pray for my marriage. We're at a point that we both think, we both think there isn't a way back. We both feel the other is at fault. Please pray that God would change both of our hearts, build back trust, and accept each other for who we are. 
We, we get these all the time, all the time. Now I looked on the back of a few of these. These are also not just people starting out in marriage. You heard that 20 year marriage that God wants to show up in. I wanna pray for you right now. And I, before I pray for you though, I wanna give you a little gift. If you're sitting, wherever you're at, if you're sitting next to your spouse, um, just grab the hand of your spouse and just, it may be a little awkward for some, but just look at your spouse and say, I'm gonna fight for this relationship. You're my priority. Come on, you're my priority. I wanna be closer to you in 10 years. I wanna be more connected to you in 10 years. I wanna walk with you. We're gonna walk out this. We're gonna have vision and dreams together. What a, what a powerful thing. Just that little moment, you started coming closer together. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, you put this burden on my heart for there's, there's some out there right now just in the balance. And Lord, we just, we come against this cultural perspective that pulls and tears and rips at this relationship that you've given us. Lord Jesus, your kind of love draws us together. Give us your love today. Let us find satisfaction, wholeness, health in that love so that then we can express it. Lord, I pray right now, if there's one person struggling, the enemy wouldn't lie to them. Lord, we have Restore on Monday nights. We have our pastoral care team. We have freedom coming up. Lord, I pray they take a step out of the shadows and not let the enemy pull them apart. But Lord, you'd bring them together. Lord, generations stand in the balance. We thank you today, Lord Jesus, that because you came, you showed us what love is, Jesus, that while we were your enemies, you came and loved us and served us and gave your life for us. Reconciliations at the heart of the message of the gospel. If there's one person not reconciled to you, I pray they would commit themselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.